Hello and welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm JJ Jurjevich. Joining me this evening is the one, the only Wayne Ridenauer in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee. You can find us all at ATL Prime Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. So whichever way you're listening, please uh, drop a review, give us a thumbs up, and react, retweet, whatever you do. Uh, let's get to the personals at JJ Get You One for myself on Twitter, at RWY Jr. for our fabulous producer Wayne, and at Quarter Todd for Todd TC Quarter, who is unfortunately out this evening. Wayne, how you doing tonight, man? Well, I'm doing uh, pretty good, uh, but you know, not quite as well as uh, you know the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing right now. Uh, they have really set themselves up to head into the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs in a good spot. Yeah, Stanley Cup playoffs right around the corner. Exciting time. Uh, April it is with the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball getting started. Uh, and then obviously the NHL and NBA playoffs. So uh, I'm doing well, but not as well as the seller of a damaged Honus Wagner baseball card, selling it for $1,528,066. Missing three sides, ladies and gentlemen. It has been cut and has a massive crease down the center of the card, but it is one of the original Honus Wagner cards, and it sold for over $1.5 million. So I'm not doing that well, but I'm doing pretty good. Got a great show lined up. What's on tap for today? We have the voice of the Georgia State Panthers, Dave Cohen, talking about the new Sunbelt Conference. Uh, Storylines for round one in this year's NFL draft. And, of course, the Hawks were eliminated with the gentleman's sleep sweep. We'll talk about that. And without further ado, we do bring in our guest. Uh, we welcome friend of the show and voice of the Georgia State Panthers, Dave Cohen. Dave, welcome to the show. How you doing this evening? I'm good. Good to see you guys. Good to be back on the show with y'all. It's been a couple weeks. Lots have happened since then. And Dave, I stumbled upon a uh, PinLive.com article about the Power Five and Group of Five conferences possibly basically breaking away and forming their own basketball tournament. Um, tournaments, plural. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? And give me a percentage that it actually happens. Let's, let's have some fun with this. Um, let's start with the percentage first. I think it's far-fetched. I, I, I really hope it is, I should say. Uh, I think it's like 0% because I think if you divide the viewers, that's not a good business model. But I'm going to ask you, you're an expert in this. Tell, tell us what you think. Well, you probably saw that uh, on my Twitter wall. I did tweet that I story. Did. and I, I thought it was an interesting read because, you know, I've, I stumbled across it after reading uh, an article that basically quoted the athletic director at Notre Dame about the future of college athletics and the possibility of the Power Five, which has been talked about before, the possibility of the Power Five breaking away and starting their own league, for lack of a better term, and no longer in any sport having to answer to the governing body uh, called the NCAA, which they don't necessarily in 
football to the well football doesn't run the nas doesn't run their championship like it does the ncaa tournament and like it does the college world series and so on uh, but look you know the media landscape involving professional and college sports is changing at lightning speed the money being thrown around although i don't know how it continues to grow to the numbers and the levels that it's growing, somehow it is, and you have new players getting into uh, the ball game. It's, you know, we're we're so used to just worrying about ESPN and TNT and various cable outlets, but you know, the world of streaming has again at lightning speed opened it wide, you know, opened it much wider, and you you know you hear about Google and you hear about Apple and you hear about Amazon. Google. Amazon doing a third. Are they the ones doing the Thursday night NFL game this coming yeah, season? Thursday night NFL. You mentioned the Apple TV. They're doing Friday night baseball. They're trying to get into college football game as well. Uh, you're right. Streaming services are, are are growing, 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 and so is that money. Right, and more and more people day in and day out are cord cutting, getting rid of what you would you and I would call the typical cable package. So, I just. As much as I would hate to see it happen, because truthfully, the NCAA basketball tournament, I think, is, if not the best sporting event in athletics, both college and professional, at least the first couple of three rounds until we get down to, I mean, the Final Four is great. It's cool. But more often than not, personally, uh, it's blue bloods like it was this year. And it's not that it's not good basketball. It is. But it's so easy to say, oh, it's North Carolina, it's Duke, it's Kansas, you know, even Villanova to that extent. I, you know, personally, as a group of five guy, I loved it when we were in the Colonial Athletic Association, Georgia State. And in the span of six or seven years, George Mason was in a Final Four and Virginia Commonwealth was in a Final Four. And then we saw Wichita State in a Final Four. Uh, we saw Butler twice under Brad Stevens, I think, in a Final Four. It's great to see the mid-majors, the group of fives, get involved and make a little noise. It gets boring every year when it's Alabama and Clemson and Oklahoma. And I know that you like Georgia. And listen, you know, credit where credit's due. They won the national championship. But to me, that's why my interest in college football wanes after a while no pun intended Wayne it's because it's the same players year in and year out I mean it would be great as I have said on you guys show numerous times to go to a 12 team playoff let the champion from each of the 10 FBS leagues represent and then play with a couple of wild cards now it might keep a I I, I mean I can already see it happening the the big debate is when when a when a great team gets left out because they didn't win their championship of their league and they weren't one of the two wild cards selected, they're going to say, well, why are we wasting our time watching this Sunbelt Conference champion play? Why are we wasting our time watching Conference USA or American Athletic? We just want the power five, you know. You can see that's where it's going to go. And from an eyeball test and from a television revenue standpoint, they really guys just want the big boys because that's what brings the eyeballs. And so as much as I hate to even think that it could end up that way, even initially, if it doesn't end up that way with regards to college basketball, I think the first step, the first toe 
dipped into the water will be with college football. Does college football break away the power five and do college football on their own? Yeah, that's, that's all good points. And you mentioned it. It's more fun to watch the NCAA tournament than almost any other sporting event there is because of that Cinderella factor. Uh, just recently, uh, we had Florida Gulf Coast. You had uh, this past year, we had St. Peter's. Uh, those are magical runs that would be taken away and eyes off of smaller schools that would be taken away. I don't like it. Uh, hopefully it doesn't happen. We will see. What brings me to my next question, folks. Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago. Sister Jean. How could I forget my favorite? <laughs> Sister Jean. Golly, I love that 100-year-old woman. She's amazing. Uh, anyway, Dave, we uh, you can find Dave on Twitter at GA State Voice. That's GA State Voice. Uh, brings me to a second question. We talked about it before coming on air. Let's talk about it now. The New Look Sunbelt Conference. Uh, it's going to be real juicy in the Sunbelt East. Some fun football matchups. We'll talk strictly football here. Uh, let's talk about those football matchups that we will see in the future and uh, what the what this means for the conference moving forward. Well, you know, there was a legal snafu there for a while over the last few months about whether or not Conference USA legally was going to let their three schools escape the contract early in order to come to the Sun Belt. James Madison was already able to make the jump. They were FCS. They were in the Colonial Athletic Association. From a Georgia State standpoint, we were in the league with them for one year with football the year before we came back to the Sunbelt Conference. Basketball, been up there many times to lovely Harrisonburg, Virginia. But Old Dominion and Marshall and Southern Miss had to finagle their way out of the Conference USA contract. And for a while, there were schedules in the Sunbelt and Conference USA showing both teams, I mean, both schedules showed each of the three teams playing a Conference USA schedule and also playing a Sunbelt Conference schedule. Well, they worked it out. However they worked it out, it's done. Georgia State will, will play all four of the new schools in this year's coming, this year's schedule. As a matter of fact, I think our last two games are at James Madison and at Marshall. Not necessarily in that order, uh, if I remember correctly. But listen, somebody called the Sun Belt East the best G5 division in the country. And it really is. It's Appalachian State. It's Marshall. It's Coastal Carolina. It's Georgia Southern. It's Georgia State. Uh, who am I? And it's, I think it's old James Madison. James Madison. Now, James Madison was in the semifinals of the uh, FCS yes. football playoffs. So their situation, although not exact, reminds me a little bit of Appalachian State. They're coming in at the top of their game, and they will transition. I'm not saying they're going to come in and win the Sun Belt East. What I'm saying is they're. I don't expect them to come in and be the doormat. So the question is, in the Sun Belt East, who finishes last? <laughs> Appalachian State's a fantastic program. Marshall's a fantastic program. Coastal Carolina has been the darling the last couple of years. Georgia State is is trajecting in a positive 
uh, direction. We've won, you know, we won eight games last year, the most in conference, up from seven, and we've won back-to-back bowl games. So, you know, is you know, is it Georgia Southern under under new head coach Clay Helton? You know, they they are technically trying to rebuild a little bit and reload. And uh, so, you know, who is it? You look at the schools in the Sun Belt East. And there's not a bad school among the among these among the teams. Maybe Old there Dominion. Isn't. You know, Old Dominion has been up and down. Uh, so you know, who knows? But I mean, it's it's going to be crazy here those these first couple of years while everybody kind of gets acclimated to one another with regards to football. The Sun Belt West. I'm not going to say that it's easy, but it's not going to be as difficult as the East. And I haven't heard anything about, uh, you know, expanding the number of bowl tie-ins. This is what kind of worries me a little bit. The Sun Belt right now that I know of has five bowl tie-ins. Well, when's the last time Appalachian State wasn't any good? Never, at least in recent history. Yeah. Marshall. Never. Coastal Carolina. Louisiana Lafayette out of the West. Well, that's four of them right there. If you're just going on conference his um, on his program history and conference history, that means there are nine schools there that are fighting for that last spot. Which is why I said to some people this year, who maybe were not happy that we were playing in the Camellia Bowl on Christmas Day, I said, "Look, a bowl game is never guaranteed. Yeah. So whether it's Christmas Day or New Year's Eve, your birthday, your <laughs> wedding anniversary." Be happy that we're in a bowl game because it's not guaranteed from year to year. Even if you have a winning record and you have the requisite number of wins, which is six, to reach a bowl game or to be included in a bowl game, you know, discussion. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting this year, the first go-around, I can tell you that. You're listening to Dave Cohen right here on ATL Prime Sports. You can find Dave at GA State Voice. Let's bring it to our third question, Dave. Let's talk a little Georgia State baseball. Started off hot, has since cooled down, losing four of their last five, and I'm being generous. How do the Panthers turn it around versus Troy on the road this weekend? Well, you know, ultimately it's going to come down to pitching. You know, the last couple of weeks have been rough. Uh, had an eight-game winning streak um, prior to heading to Statesboro against Georgia Southern and historically Georgia Southern is a very, very good baseball program. And now they've proven it. They're back in the top 25. Um, and we got swept down at Statesboro. And then we came back and beat Kennesaw state in a, an exciting game, you know, scoring a run in the bottom of the ninth and one of those midweek contests, uh, usually against a Kennesaw Mercer, Georgia, you know, a Georgia tech. Um, and then we had to, play Louisiana Lafayette here in Atlanta this past weekend. Uh, I had all three of those games and got swept in all three. And so while there have been a couple of ups, we did beat Georgia Tech two weeks ago in a midweek game, which, by the way, Troy beat Georgia Tech last night, Monday night, in a midweek game here in Atlanta. And then um, – and so – they head back to Atlanta, and they await on Georgia State coming in this weekend. So, you know, the starting pitching, you always save your best for your Friday, Saturday, Sunday starters. Uh, you know, we're going to have to have some really fantastic pitching this weekend. Georgia State can hit the baseball. Uh, out of the four guys that are leading the Sun Belt in home runs, we've got three of them. 
in Max Ryerson, who as of tonight has 14. Uh, um, Griffin Cheney, who has 12. Uh, then you got two guys with nine, uh, one for Louisiana Lafayette and Luke Boyton uh, for Georgia State, who also has nine. So Georgia State can hit the baseball. They can score runs. Uh, they can hit home runs. The question is, can they not give up runs? And, you know, without, you know, it's I'm not coming across as negative, but, you know, we lost a 5-4 game uh, Friday night to the, to the Raging Cajuns, giving up a solo home run on the top of the ninth. Lost a 6-3 decision on Saturday. And then Sunday, the wheels came off, and we lost 14-2. They got into the bullpen and, you know, credit the Raging Cajuns. They can hit the ball as well. And historically, they're one of the top two or three baseball programs in the Sun Belt Conference. They treat baseball. They're one of the few in the Sun Belt that truthfully treats baseball no different than they treat college football and men's and women's basketball. It is treated like a major sport. Uh, not every school in the Sun Belt elevates their baseball program to the level of importance that the Raging Cajuns do. So, And they showed why and the result of that this past weekend in Atlanta with the roster that they brought in. So, again, a big, big weekend. I mean, last Friday night, when we took the air on ESPN Plus, Georgia State was in third place. It was, you know, it was looking good. By Sunday afternoon, when I said, you know, thanks for watching, good afternoon, everyone, we were in sixth place. So this is a huge weekend series at Troy to put the winning run back together and you know, stop the stop the downfall. Well, it's a big series uh, versus Troy this weekend. You mentioned it. Got to have uh, the better pitching, and things will always turn around if your front end guys go the distance or get get four, five, six good innings to help tax the pressure on on the bullpen. Well, Dave, we always appreciate you coming on. Let our listeners know real fast how they can catch the upcoming. Georgia State Panthers baseball games. Well, any of the baseball games uh, that we do at uh, the ballpark at Panthersville, uh, it's a combination of ESPN Plus and streaming via GeorgiaStateSports.com and via the GSU Athletics mobile app. Um, and Troy this weekend, those, those, I believe all three of those games will be televised by ESPN Plus, uh, and they will have local radio there as well. But, you know. Again, baseball, a little different than basketball with regards to how it's covered. Uh, I think the – not sure what my next road trip will be before we hit uh, Montgomery for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. But it's a it's a weekend-by-weekend weekend situation as to what our broadcast plans are in a 56-game schedule. It's a long season. Well, Dave, we always appreciate you taking your time out to come on ATL Prime Sports. So thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Appreciate it. We'll see you guys uh, somewhere down the line the next few weeks. Absolutely. It's Dave Cohen, voice of the Georgia State Panthers, football, baseball, and men's basketball. Guys, if you like the content, give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a review on Apple or Spotify. Like us and follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Wayne, let's kick this thing off and uh, get into the show ourselves. The NBA playoffs... We'll do a little segment. The Hawks were 
eliminated in the first round of the NBA playoffs, losing the series 4-1. to one. What went wrong for the Hawks? <laughs> Pretty simple. It's two words. It's Trey Young went wrong for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, had more turnovers, 30, than made field goals, 22, in the whole series. That's not a good look. Um, only eclipsed 20-plus points once in the series, and they did get the W. On Tuesday, Young shot 2 of 12, including 0 for 5 from the three-point line. He had 11 points that night. Regular season, Trey Young, 28.4 points per game. That was fourth in the NBA. Postseason, Trey Young, 15.4 points per game. Um, that was like the second biggest turnaround from regular season to postseason in, in NBA history or in the last 25 years. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see the graphic floating around. But that's that's number one. Trey Young had an unbelievably bad series, a series to forget none the least. Uh, team defense is number two. Again, we're sticking with two words here, team defense. Atlanta lost this game, uh, I should say the series, the, the game five in the second quarter. Gave up 33 points in that quarter alone. Shooting guard Max Strauss went on a personal 10-0 run. Took about 67 seconds late in that very same quarter. Miami used 23 different starting lineups throughout the season. They were still the number one team in the East. I say that point because they were down two very key notable players in Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. That didn't matter. Victor Oladipo came in. Point guard scored more points in the first five minutes of game than he did the first four games of the series. <laughs> had eight points, had six points in prior three, four games. So Oladipo scored 23 points on 50% shooting. He was eight for 16. You can't allow a backup point guard, a backup guard to come in and shoot 50% in a closeout game. That's terrible team defense. You have to help out when Butler and, and, and Lowry and everybody else in the series is driving in. Trey Young gets beat. There's no help to prevent, no, no Capella in the lane, no Gallinari in the lane to help out and, and, and contest the layup. Just simple layups. And that is a atrocity of team defense. You can't do that and win NBA playoff series. It's just dadgum impossible. Wayne... Any thoughts on the Atlanta Hawks getting eliminated and how bad Trey Young played or their team defense or whatever else you want to say because they played terrible? Well, you know, you, you always hear that thing, you know, you can't rely on one person. It's a team sport. But then, then when you look at that team defense, uh, you know, what what can you see? You can't, you can't put that off on one guy. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't hedge right. They didn't uh, help defense right. They didn't close out on shots at all. It's just a bad performance, and the fact that the the Hawks got into the play in uh, play in tournament and won two games, honestly, uh, patting them on the back for not picking it, packing it up, and quitting early. They did get a game, as I said they would last week on this show. They got one game. Trey went off. He had twenty four points. It was the best game of the series of the series. Let's go around the NBA real quick. Uh, first round of the NBA playoffs, just going real fast here. Uh, Eastern Conference going into Wednesday, the Heat will play the winner of the 76ers-Raptors series. 
I uh, believe Philly leads that one 3-2. to two. They do three games to two. Game six is Thursday in Toronto. Uh, the Celtics swept the Nets and will play the winner of the Bucks bull series. Bucks are up three games to one in that one. Game five is currently tipping off underway. That is Wednesday night, game five in Milwaukee. Let's go to the West Conference. The Suns lead the Pelicans three games to two. Uh, winner of this series will play the winner of the Mavericks Jazz Series, which is led by Dallas. They're up three games to two in that one. Both game sixes are Thursday uh, at New Orleans and at Utah. Salt Lake City is a tough place to play. The fans get very intense there. The Warriors are up three games to one on the Nuggets. Winner of this series will play the winner of the Grizzly Timberwolves Series, which is led by Memphis. Your Memphis Griffiths are up three games to two. Again, the Warriors are up three games to one on the Nuggets. Um, Memphis will play in Minnesota for game six Friday on ESPN. And uh, that basically sums up uh, what's going around on the NBA going into Wednesday. Uh, your Grizzlies, your pick for the finals is still alive, hanging on by the thread, but they are still eligible to get there, which makes you. Correct at the moment. Wayne, yeah. what are your thoughts on your Memphis Grizzlies and your pick about them going to the finals real quick? Well, you know, like I said, my uh, my picks uh, looking a lot better each time, especially with Boston sweeping uh, the uh, New York team there. Uh, or New Jersey. Is it New Jersey or New York? Yeah, it's New York now. They did move to Brooklyn. It used to be well, New Jersey. Right. You are correct about that. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, so I'm uh, still looking good for a Boston-Memphis, uh, you know, final series there for the uh, championship. Um, but, the, you know, going up to Minnesota uh, for this game, I'm wondering, uh, are the protesters, what are, what's going to be their uh, angle this time? Are we going to have somebody duct tape themselves to the basketball or something? <laughs> it's been crazy. These fans are crazy. These fans are crazy. Uh, folks, uh, final thought on the NBA. Golden State travels to Denver tonight, plays uh, Game 5 Wednesday night, 10 o'clock p.m. on TNT. That should be a uh, a good end of the series there in the NBA postseason first round. Let's go to the big deal. I wore two different shirts for two different reasons. The NFL draft is Thursday, first round that is, 8 p.m. Big deal. We did our mock drafts last week. This week, let's talk some simple storylines of the NFL Draft 2022. Jacksonville Jaguars are now on the clock. Last year, a little different this year uh, than this year. Last year, we kind of knew there's going to be a bunch of quarterbacks selected. This year is kind of question mark. So we'll revolve around the first team I'm wearing. Do the Falcons draft a quarterback with their number eight overall pick? Again, we're talking NFL draft storylines this year. Did our mock top ten last week. Wayne, I'll start with you, man. You're a Falcons fan. Do the Falcons draft a quarterback number eight overall? We've talked about this. We'll bring it back up because it is draft week. No, they're not going to draft a quarterback. And uh, I, I really have my doubts that maybe one quarterback will go in the first round, but they're definitely not going to be any quarterbacks going in the top 10. I like the pick. I like the pick. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think the Falcons take a quarterback aid. I've said it once. I've said it twice. I'll say it again. But general manager Terry Fontenot did say the team is looking to add 
the position room via an ESPN.com article. So it wouldn't, it, I wouldn't put it past the Atlanta Falcons to come out of this draft with a quarterback on day two or three of this draft. They have nine total picks. Uh, number eight overall, obviously. Two second rounders, two third rounders, a fourth, a fifth, and two sixths. So it would not surprise me if the Falcons come away with a quarterback in one of those picks. Why? We only have two. The Atlanta Falcons have Felipe Franks, who was an undrafted free agent pickup last year. And we even scouted him at tight end at times during the year. So you have Marcus Mariota. They definitely need to add to that position. That is a position need. What is the future? That could be addressed later on in the rounds. We shall see. Um, but look, I will finish off this. The, the Atlanta Falcons did have huge scouting presence at three of the top four quarterback workouts. That was Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, Pickett from Pittsburgh, and Malik Willis out of Liberty, coached by Hugh Freeze. I don't know if what that means, but I think Wayne and I are correct. I do not think they reach for a quarterback with the first overall pick. Their first overall pick. Uh, staying with storylines, staying with quarterbacks, how many go in the first round? Wayne, you said one. I'll say two. The Panthers and the Steelers, I think, are the two teams that will draft quarterbacks in the first round. But I will say this. If the Lions shock everybody and go quarterback, number two overall, a chain reaction. <laughs> like a old black cat firecrackers. Light one, they all go yeah. off. That's what will happen. If that happens, if the Lions do stretch and take a quarterback at two, it wouldn't surprise me if the top four quarterback prospects all go in the first round. And here's why. The Panthers would then definitely draft Pickett or Willis, whoever didn't go number two overall to the Lions. Seahawks would have to strongly start thinking about quarterback at nine, Saints at 16, and Steelers at 20. They're all options where quarterbacks could come off the board. So my answer to the question and the storyline is I'm going to say two quarterbacks go in the first round, but if the chain reaction does happen, I'll say all four go in the first round. We'll stick again with more storylines. There is a new number one overall favorite, according to several odds makers at Vegas and Vegas. Trayvon Walker, defensive end, edge rusher, whatever way you want to put it out of University of Georgia, is now the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall draft pick. I still think it's Aiden Hutchinson. Like I like production over tangibles, intangibles that you see on the draft. Aiden Hutchinson, it's a three-cone drill, unbelievable time, six feet seven. You can't coach that. 260, you can't coach that. Uh, the most technically sound, efficient pass rusher in this class, 14 sacks, two forced fumbles at University of Michigan last year, an absolute stud. I would still bet on Aiden Hutchinson going number one overall because I just think he is the better player. Walker definitely has better upside. So that is another storyline going into Thursday night's draft. Who will go number one overall, Wayne? Is it Walker? Is it Hutchinson? I think in our mock draft, we both had Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. What say you tonight? <clears throat> it can always change because we can do that here. 
Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to go ahead and stick with Hutchinson still, but it's interesting that both of those guys basically say, play the same position. They do. Uh, last year, you saw a quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. This year, you could see edge, edge, edge. One, two, three. Uh, very opposite drafts. And uh, that leads me into um, another storyline in this draft. We have two New York teams with four top ten picks. That's a storyline for a different day. Uh, do one of those teams maybe shake up the draft and draft someone that they weren't supposed to draft. Uh, it's always fun when you're watching the NFL draft because these things do happen. Um, is this draft class shallow, bad, whatever you want to say? There's been lots of reports out there. Wayne, I'll start this one off with you. I'm interested to hear your answer. Well, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's shallow or bad at all. I think all these guys are quality players. Uh, but, you know, apart from the edge rushers and some of the defensive players, I think there's going to be a lot of wide receivers. And to me, whichever team is the first one to pick the wide receiver is going to start that dominoes uh, falling or getting knocked down. It's not going to be quarterbacks. I think the wide receiver is what's going to, you know, everything will pivot on that. So you're saying the wide receivers will start the chain reaction, not the quarterbacks. Right. Right. Like it. Look, Cincinnati last year drafted wide receiver and they ended up in the Super Bowl. So maybe we'll see the Cowboys do the same with Dak Prescott. They get that weapon. Can't rely on Michael Gallup. So maybe you're right about the wide receivers shaking things up. There's always storylines, folks. You tell us your storyline at ATL Prime Sports on Twitter. Tell us what you're looking forward to in Thursday night's NFL draft. Wayne, any final thoughts on the NFL draft for this segment, buddy? Well, hopefully that uh, first domino to fall will be uh, Atlanta uh, choosing uh, Williams out of Alabama. Because that's, that's where I think, that's where I would like to see Atlanta go. You and I are both on the same boat. We The Falcons need a wide receiver. Thanks, Calvin Ridley, for gambling on football games. We no longer have your services for the next year. That entails... Moving up, and you got to draft somebody that Marcus Mariota can throw the football to if you want to try and be competitive. I like the final thought. Guys, that wraps up our show pretty much. Uh, we will get into our closing thoughts and comments. Uh, Wayne, you have any closing thoughts on the show today in general? Because I got a good one tonight. Well, the only thing I want to uh, just remind me, uh, when is that uh, uh, blog talk uh, show we're going to be doing that Friday? Do you have the times uh, for that? point. So, we are going to start, not this Friday, but next Friday. I believe we're going to do it at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and we will be on Blog Talk Radio. Way to, way to catch me up there, Wayne. Uh, that is going to be blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mancini Sports, or dial in at 1-347-205-9631. It's been a while since we've been live so uh, anybody that's ready to hear the live show, give it a week or so, and we'll be back. Todd Quarter, Wayne, myself, uh, we'll be live. Again, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mancini Sports. Not this Friday, but the next one at 1 p.m. Stay tuned to social media. We will advertise that show. My closing thought on the show, the Braves are 8-10 and 10 going into Wednesday's game against the Cubs. Five and a half back of the Mets. Having Ronald Acuna Jr. back in this lineup will help the offense. That's our show. 
For Wayne, I'm JJ. Thanks for listening. Get you one.